Hey, hey, Alan, welcome back. Avoid Crisis Podcast, episode 11. Well, welcome back yourself, Ray. Nice uh, time on a little trip away and now back here, ready to tackle the next uh, discussion for Avoid Crisis. Yep, we, and we've got, a, we've got a hot one on the plate today, so to speak. Um, thank you for uh, proposing this topic. And again, to our listeners, we are open to topics. Um, we want to shift away from community banking and the banking situation. I think we've kind of got ahead of that. We will revisit that at key points, but we're going to shift now for this episode and maybe a couple others onto a new topical area. Um, Alan, you want to, you want to introduce, introduce it to our audience. Sure. You know, from the angles of appointed czars of government to the march of billionaires penguining in Washington, the unexplainable will remain. Penguining. Yeah. What, 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 what is penguining, Alan? Well, you know, penguining is uh, when you just bring a whole bunch of, uh, you know, the same type, march them down to a location, you know. Okay, I think we, I think we have a visual on this, right? If people want to get the idea of what penguin, what, what, what our politicians and business leaders are doing on, on this climate issue about the marching of penguins. We got a visual on that? That's great. Wonderful. Yeah. We got it. That, yeah, that's well, the idea. That, you know, that's what we saw in Washington uh, when we had the uh, individuals from the uh, artificial intelligence development community coming to Washington to talk to the White House. Um, and again, you know, from the angles of appointed czars of government to the march of billionaire penguin in, in Washington, uh, the unexplainable is going to remain. And that includes uh, artificial intelligence is limited to a certain degree. It's going to achieve a lot of things. But, uh, you know, it's not going to solve some of the crises that we're facing in the climate, including what we'll call the boiling of the ocean. What we're talking about here is just sea temperatures rising. Um, it's known that this is happening. We're, we're hitting very, very high levels. And we're seeing um, not only just those temperatures rise, but we're also seeing as a result of that, the sea levels rising. We have a lot of different things to talk about here today. Uh, I just want to say this: our planet Earth really is in a crisis. I I, I agree a hundred percent. You know, the ocean. What two thirds of the surface area of the Earth? Something a little more than that. Yeah. Um, it's an incredible uh, carbon sink. Uh, the amount of carbon that is stored in the ocean is much more than that that's stored on land. And they, they would look at trees, you know, and, and those are incredible carbon sinks as well. You look at the uh, tundra up in the uh, Arctic um, that's being exposed. That's an incredible amount of carbon uh, in there that's being released. The ocean is a, is a, is a big issue and the acidity of the, the temperature changes the uh, acidity as well. Um, we've got problems. Great Barrier Reef was the canary, or is the canary in the coal mine that was the first ecosystem that showed strain. Um, and uh, the, the, the sea temperature rise is going to have significant impacts all the way around. Um, it will affect weather. Uh, sure. It's going to change, you know, hurricanes and tornadoes. We're already seeing this effect, sea level rise, et cetera. But I want to stay focused on the ocean part of it um, and, and dig into that. Uh, I noticed from your background, and I, I've, I've known this about you for a while, Alan, that uh, you, you, you love our scaly friends. You know, you love, you're, you're a fisherman. 
Well, you know, I think the thing about the fish is that they really are a reflection of what's happening in the environment um, and in their environment. So let's just talk, first of all, about the, uh, you know, the ocean temperatures as an example. Um, the average temperature of the ocean surface, and, and you can see this if you want to go to like www.seatemperature.org, and you'll get a, a, a sort of a sense of just how much uh, the ocean has been like increasing in its total temperature but the april here uh, we had temperatures of 21.1 celsius now that's a record um, ever since we started keeping uh, satellite tracking of this uh, the next closest was 21.0 and that was in april of 2016. so something's happening here here to have the uh, to have this like rise and you know we do have ocean temperatures rising and falling i mean these lead to events like you're talking about in the weather like el nino um you know things like that um but there's something else going on and one of the things is that as sea temperatures rise what i'm believing is happening is that fish from the very deep are dying and they may not actually float all the way up um but as an example in oregon we just recently saw some um, some very unusual fish um, floating up and landing on the beaches. Um, you know, we also had a, you know a, a big eighteen foot sea monster is what they called it. Uh, it was an oar fish that um, came up off of California's coast. Uh, the the ones I'm talking about in Oregon are lancet fish. And, you know, both of these have these tremendously large uh, bodies, really, and jaws, and they live in the deep, and we don't know very much about them. Um, you know, even like, for instance, uh, with the orb fish, it wasn't discovered until 1772, we didn't even know about it. Um, they live in the really deep sea, and by that I mean, like, we're talking 650 feet down to maybe over 3000 feet down the sea. There's, mm -hmm. you know, unknown area down there. We just don't know yeah. what's happening. Yeah. So can you imagine what kind of pressure there must be at those depths? Oh, but anyhow, the ore fish, yeah. it grows up to 50 feet long and it can weigh up to 600 wow. pounds. Wow. I mean, this is a really big fish. Now, you know, this one that was found here in the, uh, off the California coast, I mean, it, it was amazing. Like why, you know, you would think that if something that far deep were to die, that it would end up never rising all the way up to where we could ever even see it. You know, how, how's this happening? So, so the thing is, is that it seems like something is happening um, to these deep living fish in the ocean. And we don't know what's happening down there. I mean, um, you know, could it be something like a deep sea hyperthermal vent? And maybe you're aware of those, but we didn't even know that those existed until back in like 1977, uh, this was along the Galapagos Rift, um, where they were doing some uh, scientific studies, and they saw that there were temperature differences in very short period of distance. So what right. was happening is they could see that there would be like, um, you know, 400 degrees Celsius, uh, you know, near freezing, um, you know, and it would just jump up to like, you know, huge numbers higher and this is all in the same kind of space you know so there'd be these really um really like strange temperature differences and it's like what is causing that and what they discovered was that there were like these hydrothermal uh 
vents. They're kind of like geysers are kind of like a hot spring. It's on the ocean floor. And, uh, you know, this is, this is where if whatever's happening down there, whatever's pushing up, this is a part of what's been going on for a long time. But what we don't know is, is there more things happening with this now? And is it impacting marine life? Right. Um, Interesting. They're, they're, they're part, part of the uh, oceanic science, they measure water temperatures at various depths. And recently, I understand within the last year, was the first time that they've measured temperature change at the deepest layer that we've ever, that we've been tracking for, for years. Mm-hmm. Um, so grant, you know, at the, at the top level, it's going to be the warmest, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then as you get deeper, you get down to, you know, over a thousand meters, 2000 meters. I believe the deepest one was 5,000 meters, if I remember correctly. Um, you would expect those temperatures to be very stable and, and they're not anymore. Um, so this is a, you know, using the colloquialism canary in the coal mine, uh, watching what's happening in our oceans is, is a, is a big problem. So at the void crisis here, we'd like the, 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 the three words, right? Analyze, decide, act. So I think we're, you know, analyze phase before we can decide what we're going to do. What are some of the tools that we can use to analyze what the heck's going on? Is it, is AI, this is going to tie us into what we were talking about, you know, when we were thinking about this episode, can AI help us in this area? Well, to the extent that it is taking data and providing predictions, uh, it, it can be useful. It, it may be really helpful as far as predicting weather. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of catastrophic events that happen where we kind of see it happening um, and we kind of know it's going to happen. But it would be even better to kind of have AI be involved in predicting weather patterns, maybe providing, you know, better warnings, uh, better modeling. I mean, we, we saw that uh, when, a, when a hurricane comes in, I mean, nobody seems to know where it's going to land, right? I mean, we've, we've gone through that, right? So maybe AI can help with that. Um, maybe, you know, it can gather more data, like data from cell phones, um, from different uh, observation towers, and it can gather all that uh, information and can perform some sort of task to identify better reliability for the weather. I mean, will AI replace the weatherman? I don't know. Can AI be an entertaining weatherman? I don't know. But, uh, you know, but they certainly can help there. But they're not going to be able to change the things that are causing the, you know, the the increase in the temperatures that we're seeing. And, uh, you know, that's going to really require humans to change behaviors. And that could be anything from looking at trying to solve for greenhouse gas issues to um, looking at, like you were mentioning earlier on the carbon, you know, looking at ways to, um, you know, have some policy type work that would help here. And, you know, there's a lot of inputs out there and thoughts that are out there, but one thing is pretty evident. The trend says that it's, it's really becoming more of an issue and it is a crisis that's developing. And, you know, when we talk about the analyzing part, and then you're going to decide what you're going to do and then act. I mean, what is the actions that uh, you should be taking? You know, is it uh, getting your congressman involved? Is it, uh, you know, being more of an advocate, uh, maybe educating other people? You know, so, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? 
I, I think it's a great point because there's a number of things you touched on there. And I think that the AI part of this equation is much more data, as we said, as you said, data analytics and modeling for, you know, weather and other effects. But the AI and machine learning cannot change human beha behavior. It can only inform us. And I don't know what else other information people need, societies, governments, businesses, individuals. But climate change is real. The ocean is getting warmer. It's having huge impacts on our society in so many ways. And if we want to avoid where this is headed, we need to decide that this is important in the aggregate and also at the individual level and then take action. And so I mean, I know, for example, I, hey, I just came from Jazz Fest. I'm officially not back at work again until tomorrow. This is my last day of official vacation and I'm back at work. So yeah. I'll shave tomorrow. You deserve you know? it. Yeah. Yeah. There you, you go. Deserve. But, but I, I, I you know, our, keeping our cadence on the show recordings is important. And so um, here I am, um, unshaven and all. But my, my point is, is that even a little thing, I was in New Orleans. I took my own metal straw and I took my own reusable plastic fork that I use in my camping gear. And every time I went and got food, I ate with my own fork and my own straw. I mean, something super small. But if, if a yeah. million, if millions of people do this, if right. a couple billion people did this it will have an impact behavioral changes um as an example i've decided to try to walk more um i've looked at places that i would normally drive and think you know can i walk there and i'm gonna go ahead and just try to walk more i'm gonna see how much i can um, just modify my own behavior just in trying to um try to reduce the amount of uh, travel that i have that is potentially adding to the greenhouse gas issue and uh, just at the same time, you know, get the benefits of, uh, you know, of walking. But here's something else I want to uh, talk about, because you mentioned about fishing and, and you're right. And, and as I mentioned before about, um, you know, what ends up happening with the environment of fish, there's certain things that are real telltales. Now, I don't know if you ever heard of the bull trout as an example, but the bull trout was a staple of the uh, Native Americans diet. And over time, it has actually become less and less, you know, available or e even present, I guess. Um, right now, it's only in elevations over 10,000 feet. You can't have uh, forestry uh, activities going on. You can't have um, agriculture activities going on. You can't have cows. All those things basically make it more difficult for the bull trout to be able to uh, reproduce with its eggs. Um, very very much a protected uh, species to this point, but it used to be very abundant and very, uh, you know, very plentiful. And it was pretty much at the top of the food chain um, in the whole trout world. Hmm. As an example, even in, uh, in the McLeod River in California, they used to have the, uh, the bull trout and rainbow trout DNA from the McLeod River are all over the world. But here's the point that, that I'm talking about with uh, fish and something that's changing. This year, as an example, I have seen more state and world records on both the ocean and the fish uh, in the freshwater fish state and world records than I've ever seen before. And this is just in this year. Okay. So like for instance, in Wyoming, there was an angler, uh, his name was Patrick Edwards and he got two state records 
in uh, two weeks, and one of them was a world record. So he caught a three-pound, 15.6-ounce uh, long-nose sucker, which you probably never heard of. And then he caught a six-pound, 8.45-ounce white sucker, which was a world record. Now, you might be thinking, why am I talking about white suckers, right, or long-nose suckers? But here's the thing to know about suckers. The sucker fish is a bottom feeder. Right. And uh, predatory fish, like maybe a bass or a trout, they'll prey on them. So they'll see them down the bottom, and if they're not hidden well enough, you know, they might end up being, you know, <laughs> the target of, uh, of those predatory fish. But they thrive in temperatures that are between 72 degrees and 78 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, to put that into context of trout, trout really start to have problems surviving when the temps of the water get over 70 degrees. Warm water has less oxygen, and the issue of oxygen is really related to how much they can grow. And also the issue of oxygen in the ocean is a big issue because what we're seeing is tuna sizes are, for instance, getting smaller because what ends up happening is for the fish to grow, it has to have a lot of oxygen. And so as the temperatures warm up, there's less oxygen in that water. Now, this is true in, in the ocean and it's true in fresh water. So if all of a sudden there's a lot more suckers, there's probably a lot less trout. So the whole point is that we may be seeing warming temperatures in our rivers. We may be yeah. seeing warming temperatures in our oceans. And ultimately, what it's going to do is it's going to change what fish are available. And that's going to impact fishing. That's going to impact food supply. Mm -hmm. That's going to impact our uh, global economy. So we're really looking at a, a, a crisis that is in development right now. Absolutely. Um, the the food that we get from the ocean worldwide is, I, I, in fact, we're going to look this up for a subsequent show to try to measure the impact on our on our food supply for for the for humans in the world based upon ocean sources and the effect that increasing temperatures will have on that. Mm -hmm. um, it, this, this, it's a very, very significant issue. Um, and, and <laughs> it's funny when you were talking about, you know, the, the, the long nose suckers and the white suckers being bottom feeders. I, I've known some of those over the years, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I, I, what I find interesting from that story, Alan, is that we're now fine. I mean, the anglers aren't, normally fishing at the depths that such bottom feeders would normally live. So that just sells you. As the water is getting warmer, these guys are, are, are coming up more toward the surface. And and the oxygen issue, absolutely. I wasn't aware of that. Thanks for sharing that part. But it's an ecosystem. The, as you were saying, these the, given the size of these fish, it gets me starting to think about What's changing in the biosphere, the ecosystem, with the smaller fish that they prey upon who are probably more vulnerable to changes in temperature? And how does that affect this yeah. whole, the whole, their whole feeding cycle, what they can eat? Well, well, you know, when we talk about a predatory fish and we talk about their, um, their food supply, fish that are predatory eat other fish. So if you go back to seeing that we have state records being set now, um, and we're seeing world records being set. 
I mean, maybe these fish are eating other fish because, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen where a pond has dried up and what ends up happening is you don't find just a whole bunch of skeletons of a whole bunch of fish. What you find is a couple of big ones, you yeah, know, that's right. and you're like, that's Oh, right. this only had like a couple. No, they ate everything else that was out there <laughs> on so, the way down. Right. That's things right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right, right, right. So, so, you know, whenever we're looking at this, I mean, you know, um, Missouri had two state record fish this year. Okay. Yeah. Um, there was a, a, a huge, huge uh, Chinook salmon that uh, was a world record uh, caught in Argentina. Um, and so, you know, I mean, you just look at these world records and you go, okay, is what is happening here is that, you know, things must be healthy because we have bigger fish or finally somebody's catching a bigger fish. I don't think that that's really what's happening here. Right. I, I think it's a distribution of the population. And I think these are the survivors mm -hmm. and, you know, um, I think that there's a real impact here and it's something to be watching. All right. So I'm going to throw this out to our listeners now, send us messages, um, uh, Alan at avoidcrisis.com, Ray at avoidcrisis.com. We'd love to get your feedback. Um, we will do some, we will do the research. I think Alan, this topic I think has a couple more episodes to, for us to do some research and to dig in and to talk about it. And I really, by the time we wrap up this topic, I want to have a better handle. I feel at a loss. When, you, when we talk about analyze, decide, act, I, I, action, that's what we need to figure out. And um, obviously, we're not going to dig into that in one episode. But after, after a couple few episodes, I want to have some more tangible action items that we can do in our own behavior, but as well as how we're going to appeal to our political leaders, <laughs> sure. the, pengu the penguins, and our business leaders into what we're going to do. ESG is the rage these days, right? Well, good news for you here, Ray. Yeah. I, I've got you a ticket okay. for the UC Davis Coastal Marine Sciences Institute presentation that's coming up. I got you a Zoom ticket, and our listeners can go there too. Um, this is coming up on uh, the 19th of May, um, okay. and it's uh, Implications of Rising Temperatures, Coastal Marine Estuarine Ecosystems. And this is going to be put on by UC Davis. Uh, at the Puda Creek room, you know, so uh, if you want to go oh, to yeah. Davis, you go, yeah, so yeah, yeah, so um, I, I know, I know Puda Creek, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, so uh, have your tickets there, but I mean, certainly our listeners can um, can join up for that too. You um, see, Davis Coastal Marine Sciences Institute again, implications of rising temperatures. And uh, obviously, they're concerned and they're concerned about just what it's going to do in the in the area here of um, of the bay and uh, the estuaries here and obviously there's a lot of impact in wildlife bird life um you know it, it's the whole circle of impact that uh, we're not seeing yet obviously it's getting more and more attention and there needs right. to be more people involved in looking at this crisis that's developing right 100 percent um interesting you talked they, talk, they mentioned there was about estuaries Mm -hmm. which is essentially where rivers meet oceans, if I understand correctly, and from a simple guy's perspective, right? Um, and then earlier you talked about Chinook salmon. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> aren't, aren't those rivers spawned and born in rivers? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I mean here, and yeah. Come back to the river. Right, state. I mean the Klamath yeah. River. You know, you have the return of the Chinook salmon. You have that in the Trinity River as well. Mm -hmm. They'll come back from the ocean. Um, they are fascinating animals. Very large. Very, very, very fast. I mean, they're very, very strong. Um, and they were uh, really what helped the uh, Native Americans get through the uh, the winter because they provided a great food supply, especially when they came back in at the time of their runs. So their runs came in, for instance, um, at least in the Trinity River, they're generally known for coming in around October. I think they run twice a year, but around October, so it helped to prepare for the winter. But um, to have, again, something so large being caught, that that is, a, you know, it sounds good, but I'm just saying more to think about there if uh, rising temperatures are having an impact on that. Absolutely. Let's jump. Let's jump a little bit to AI because we talked about some of the things AI could do. We're hearing more and more about AI. Google had its developers com, uh, conference start today. Yep. You know, they're talking about uh, now. You know, they want to have 40 languages that they can interpret. Um, and they're trying to uh, open up a Wednesday's drive-through where you're going to just speak into it. You don't have to have the uh, the person there <laughs> taking that order. You know, I mean, AI's got all kinds of things happening, but at the same time, we've got this backdrop of tech people losing their jobs. Uh, Mark Watch said just this week that there's, um, in 2023, already 192,000 tech jobs lost. Mm -hmm. And AI is going to potentially replace jobs, modify jobs. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't know exactly what's going to uh, be impacted, but there's going to be a lot of impacts. And uh, the thing is, is that AI is really a continuation of really machine learning. It's, it's like the next step up. I mean, right. this is going to be a revolutionary change, what happens with artificial intelligence. Um, it's continuing to grow. There's a lot of promise. There's a lot of people saying, hey, we're involved in that. It's almost like, you know, at one point, all these companies came out and said, hey, we're dot-com too. Uh, another set of companies came out and said, oh, we're also in nano. You know, now everyone's yeah. an AI, right? Everyone's right. an AI. I mean, um, but, you know, let's let's remember, I mean, when was the first time where all of a sudden we need to like look at this and go, hey, it's coming? So th talk about you know avoid crisis where you're going to first of all think, you're going to decide, and then you're going to act. The first time you should have really been thinking about it was way back in uh, the mid '90s when IBM started talking about Deep Blue. Now I don't know if you remember about mm -hmm. Deep Blue, but back in 1997 uh, there was a you know there was this uh, chess match at the head That's right. with the uh, uh, world champion Ka Kasparov, Kasparov. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and so he's playing against the machine you know man versus the machine and man did win but ultimately they didn't win enough to win the whole you know regular tournament rules yeah. uh three and a half to two and a half so you know then they had a rematch deep blue won again that what they were doing at that point though was they were exploring up to 200 million possible chess positions per second and that's just with algorithms. Right. So the thing is, is that we're, we're in a very different stage with computer chips, with processing power than we were in 1997. So just think about that. You, right. you take 26 years, okay, of computer development, software development, intellectual power. Moore's Law. But we've, yeah, yeah, everything, right? Right. Um, and, and say, okay, what, what are we facing right now? Like, if you're not worried or concerned about what AI is going to do to you in your life, you need to be. For, for, for better and worse, right? There's going to be some advantages in your life, but there's going to be some disadvantages as well. Oh, there's going to be an enormous displacement 
in the labor force. You know, uh, on, on the positive side, though, we have a declining labor force, right? The, the dot-com, um, the uh, dot-com boom. No, not the dot-com boom. The, uh, the baby boom. The boomers after World War II, all the kids that were born in that next 20-year cycle, right? And, and then there was a couple of echoes in there. But if you look at the population, it's, take out immigration, uh, it's actually declining. So our labor force is, is shrinking somewhat. This will help offset that. On the other side, it will make that labor force more efficient. So that's a that's a tool like, you know, dig a hole, not with a shovel, but with a backhoe kind of thing. Sure. So it's going to it's going to make that one worker more efficient, but it's going to displace those who are not trained, who are not educated. It's going to be a wider split in our society between the haves and the have nots based upon are, are you in a role or a profession that is going to work with and leverage AI or are you going to be one that's replaced by AI? Right. And well, so we got both sides here. Yeah. And with regard to climate, I think that it's a great tool for analysis. It's going to help us get to that decision point faster. But can it decide and can it act? That's what no, humans got to do you, at this point. Human behavior is going to be changing right. and it needs to change. And right. I think that, uh, you know, as we've talked about all these different things, I mean, we have a lot more to explore on all these topics. Uh, I would say today we're just kind of really kind of scratching the surface. We'll do a lot more digging of certainly mm -hmm. listen to what our listeners have to say. Um, but, you know, we we need to really be focusing in on looking at all the information that we're seeing and looking at our climate, looking at the, the impacts to the economy that we're seeing um, and look at this from the job level on your own personal level as far as a job goes and how it's going to impact you and i think these are all, all things to be aware of as we go through the process of analyzing discussing thinking and then uh, making some decisions and acting once again ray coming up here on the time can't believe it goes by so fast wow um, yep, here we are all right good to see you again great to see you um we're going to put links to that uh webinar um in the show sure. notes for the sure. for the listeners they can they yeah. can get in on that and sure. then uh we're going to be working on um hopefully we're working hard we're trying to get a guest on for next episode to talk deeper about uh this issue here with uh climate change and and ai so thanks for bringing it up alan and as always a great great conversation good to see you ray great to see you all right see see you next time take care bye-bye